So before we get on today's topic, I just want to say a few words about this teaching series, um, which is based on Jesus saying, if you love me, then keep my commands. Um, He doesn't say, keep my commands and then you'll love me. And he doesn't say, prove that you love me to everybody else by keeping my commands. He says, keep my commands if you love me. Or if you love me, keep my commands. Um, And if we don't love God, then maybe we're not going to feel inclined to follow his commands. We might know what they are, but we might not feel like doing that. We might feel like going our own way. And we might try to do it because we know it's the right thing to do, but it might feel difficult and it might feel dry. And I don't think it will make us love him. It might make us dislike him, in fact. He might seem like a bit of a taskmaster. So how then do we love God if we need to love him first? And the answer is we love God because he first loved us. So this isn't what I'm meant to be speaking on today, but as you'll see, it will come full circle right back to the end. And I hope we've got a prayer team because um, I'd like to offer prayer today. So if you're in the prayer team, just remember. Um, So my prayer is that during this series, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Actually, you will have a deeper revelation of God's love for you. And by knowing his commands, you've got half a chance of responding to his love and doing them then. We can't obey them if we don't know what they are. So I'm just going to pray. God, thank you that you loved us first. Thank you that you love us so much that you sent Jesus and you paid for us with his blood. Thank you that you love us perfectly, even when we don't love you. Thank you that you don't rely on us to reciprocate in order to love us. Thank you, God, and I pray that this morning there'd be nothing that gets in the way of us knowing your love for us. Amen. So, today's topic. You've all heard the passage. The religious leaders, as always, are trying to chap Jesus. It's a bit like kind of Tom and Jerry or Cat and Mouse. Uh, Religious leaders, Jesus, they don't like him. He gets in the way of their nice kind of systems and everything they've got set up. So they're trying to take him out. This time, they use spies. Now, I prefer to think of them in more modern words as undercover agents. You bear with me on that one? So, the trap is that the Jews are living uh, under Roman occupation, and they're being asked to pay taxes to uh, their occupiers, the Romans. Now, the Jews don't really like the idea of paying taxes to the Romans because that's a pagan system, and that's not giving money to God which is what they're used to doing with the temple and all the systems of worship that God set up. So if Jesus said that they didn't need to pay taxes to the Romans, then these religious leaders, all they needed to do is dob Jesus in to the Romans, say, look, this guy, he's a teacher, he's teaching our people not to pay you the taxes. Come on. They earn credit with the Romans and they get rid of Jesus. But meanwhile, if Jesus says, yes, pay your taxes... Uh, that's what you must do, then actually the Jewish leaders can say, look, he's a traitor. He's not for the Jewish nation at all. He's in with the Romans and discredit him that way. So just as Graham set it up before, this was a trick question that seemingly Jesus couldn't win. However, the religious leaders who are trying to trap God with their undercover agents are trying to do just that, remembering that Jesus is God. When we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father So they're trying to use a tricky question to trap Almighty God, maker of the universe. Anyone ever try that? (laughs) God, if you... Yeah, I'll ask it this way, and then I won't have to do that, or maybe I won't have to do this, or... Yeah. 
Good luck with it. Let me know how it goes. Turns out Jesus is quite cunning, funnily enough. And he's able, without any difficulty or pause or uh, circling around, able to give an answer straight away that leaves the undercover agents absolutely speechless. And somehow about the way that is written and translated, I like to think that the undercover agents weren't just speechless, that maybe they actually switched sides and became double agents for Jesus. <laughs> maybe I've watched Jason Bourne and too many spy films and things. And a quick takeaway from this story, the simple message that's kind of plain for us to see, is that yes, we should comply with earthly authorities that legitimately have authority over us. As Christians, we shouldn't be doing anything that means the authorities have got one over on us. They sh we should be clean. Not a thing. But if a conflict arises between earthly authorities and between God's authority, then we're going to go for God. If there's a choice, okay. If the nation asks you to denounce God, go for God. <laughs> if the nation asks you to uh, pay some tax and it's their right to do so, pay the tax. Uh, a good example of this is Daniel in the Old Testament and his friends. They were also living, uh, well, they were actually taken into exile, but they were also essentially occupied. They'd been taken over by another nation. And whatever the king asks of these people, Daniel and his friends, they do it. Apart from when the king says, worship this gold idol or worship me. Uh, and then they think, no, this one, I'm not giving my worship to these people. I'll do stuff for them, but my worship is for God. And they keep focusing on God. And even when the king has amazingly creative methods of killing them, hot furnaces, lion's dens, you name it, he thought of it. Um, but God protects them because they honor God and put him first. And at a simple level, that could be the end of this five-minute talk. Anyone content with that? But I do believe there's somewhat more going on here. Would anyone like to hear the somewhat more that I believe is going on? Graham will bear with me. Good. So, the first slide, Lucy. What is Caesar's give to Caesar? In fact, it actually says, uh, what is Caesar's give back to Caesar and what is God's give back to God? And um, the Roman coin, which may have been like that one, I'm not a historian, but I think that might be the right one, and that might be the right emperor. Anyone recognize him? Is it Tiberius? Um, the Roman coin had an image of the current Caesar on it, and it was Caesar's currency, it was his empire, his coin, his taxation scheme. And Jesus said that therefore it was okay to comply and give it back to him. Because it had his image on it. But Jesus also said, he didn't just leave it there and say, yeah, pay your tax, that's fine. He said also, whatever's God's, give that back to him as well. And I'm still a little very clever, that's fine, yeah. Well... If the coin bears the image of Caesar and should be given to Caesar, then it surely follows that whatever bears the image of God is God's and should be given to him. So in Genesis 1.27, Lucy, thanks, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. What's made in God's image? Graham, Arlene, etc. Look around. God's image stamped all over you. So, following the coin scenario, we're made in God's image, therefore we're his and should be given back. But if you've got any issue with that one, I thought I'd go with another one too. In Galatians 3.13 it says, 
Christ bought us with his blood and made us free from the law. So actually, although God made us in his image, we were lost when we gave in to sin and went our own way and we were condemned by the law. So Jesus came and died on the cross uh, and his blood was poured out and paid the price that we could have relationship back with God. Now, if you go in a shop and buy something, whose is it once you've bought it? It's yours. It's mine. God bought us. Whose are we? His. So, what is God's? Give it back to God. The coins had the image of Caesar stamped on them. What has the image of God stamped on it? We do. What is therefore God's that we should give it back to God? Us. Our whole selves holding nothing back. It's good, isn't it? You might think. You might be nervous, though, about what this might imply. So bear with me. And Jesus has a habit of doing this. He has a habit of upping the bar. He did the same with the Ten Commandments when he talked about some of those. In in this story, the religious leaders were concerned about tripping Jesus up with taxes, which represents some money, not all of your money. I don't know of any authority that demands all of your money in the current world, and I don't think they were then, because they want people to keep earning some, to keep giving some. Um, But Jesus says it's no longer about a portion of your money. This is about all of your being, all of yourself, the whole of you that God made. Oh, and by the way, that includes all of your money too. Happy now? There's some quizzical looks, some quizzical looks. Uh, In Romans 12, Lucy, she's on it. She's good, isn't she? Thank you, Lucy. Um, Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul is picking up on this same thing. He is saying, in order to worship God, what do we do? We give of ourselves, our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, you haven't got to sacrifice yourself. It's a living sacrifice. Just don't want any misunderstanding on that point. This is your true and proper worship. God made us in his image. We sold out to sin. The law condemned us. God brought us back through Jesus' blood. Um, We belong to him. His image is stamped on us. And he, God alone, is the only thing that deserves our worship and our praise and our life and our being and our focus. And when we worship something, it brings value or glory to the thing that we worship. And our lives should bring glory to God. And um, I was thinking about what does it mean to offer our whole selves? And I reflected on something I'd heard Pete Gregg say some time ago. And essentially he broke kind of our lives down into three pieces uh, for the purposes of this. We've all got assets of some kind in that I'm guessing all of us are at least wearing some of our assets. (laughs) We might well have another one in our pocket. I don't right now have a phone in my pocket, but that's one of your assets. You might have a house or a car or wallet or... I don't know, a motorbike or a toy or a hobby of some kind. We have some stuff. Those are our assets. We all have time. And guess what? We all have exactly the same amount of that. There's 24 hours in every day, seven days in every week, 365 days in the year. And um, we can choose to use that time for God and to bring glory to him. We can choose to use it for other things. 
And then there's this last thing, which is slightly less tangible. And uh, Pete Gregg actually said our worship, but I think it, it's more than that. It's our, it's our focus, it's our love, it's what, what our mind goes to, what we think about, what, it, what our heart is set on, maybe. And um, I'm challenged, and uh, you can be if you want to be, but I'm challenged in preparing this, that I'm thinking, do I always use myself and my resources to bring glory to God? Or do I worship something else um, or somebody else? Um, perhaps my stuff. Maybe I worship my house, my car, my phone. Maybe I worship somebody, uh, my wife, Ruth, um, or my children, or some celebrity. Um, and where's my focus? Is it on the TV and current affairs? Is it the news? Is it Facebook? Is it some hobby that is all-consuming? None of these things in themselves are bad, by the way, except that they're not what deserves our worship. <laughs> That's God. And Jesus' challenge today is that everything we have, as was also in the sketch earlier, is from him and is for us to give glory back to him. Has anyone ever played the trading game? You get given something and you have to go out and try and swap it with something bigger or better. So you might get given, I don't know, a paperclip, and then I could come around the church and say, Mike Ford, have you got something better than this paperclip that you'd be willing to swap for? And he might, I don't know, give me 10p or something if he's feeling generous. And I keep swapping until eventually, I don't know, maybe I've got myself a book. That's called the trading game. You trade up. I just want to read you an example of someone playing the trading game. It's a bit of light relief from me. My son Richard set out with a dime a while back. That's a small coin in American terms. He went to the first door and said, Hi, we're playing bigger and better. I've got a dime and I'm hoping to trade it up to something better. Do you have anything you can trade me? The guy at the door had never heard of this game. Nevertheless, he was immediately in and he shouted to his wife, Hey Marge, there's a kid here and we're playing bigger and better. I love it that he said we. What do we have that's bigger and better than a dime? Richard walked away, uh, sorry, what do we have that's bigger and better than a dime? Richard walked away with a mattress. <laughs> Rich went with his buddies to the next door and they knocked while Rich stood on the porch with his mattress. The door opened and his muffled voice could be barely heard as he shouted through the Serta pillow top asking if this next neighbour would trade with him for something bigger and better than a mattress. A little while later, he skipped away from the house, having traded the mattress for a ping-pong table. Richard wheeled the ping-pong table to the next house and traded up for an elk head. How cool is that? I would have stopped there. But Rich didn't. He kept trading up. By the end of the night, when Rich came home, he didn't have a dime or a mattress or a ping-pong table or an elk head or the five other things he traded up in between. Richard drove home in a pickup truck. <laughs> no lie, he started out with a dime and he ended up with a Dodge, which is the brand of pickup truck, it being an American story. Sometimes we hold on to things quite tightly and we don't give them to God. And maybe we hold on to our dime um, and we're not willing to trust that God has a pickup truck out there. Not that this is me trying to preach the prosperity gospel, that's a metaphor. And if I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis to try and put this in perspective, because he's very good at putting things in perspective, I find. Lucy will put a quote on the screen. C.S. Lewis said, uh, It would seem that our Lord 
finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by a holiday by the, uh, by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Do you get it? We settle and we don't give what we've got to God to get all of what he has to offer in return. Because in giving up what we have, we receive. Anyone know what a spiritual law is? A spiritual law is just like a physical law, except it's not about chemicals or matter or stuff. It's about things that happen in a spiritual dimension. And the thing about spiritual laws is they're just as dependable and they happen whether you know about them or not. And there's one called sowing and reaping and it often gets misquoted. But what happens is when we give, or one take on this, is when we give to God or give back to God, that is sowing or a form of sowing. And what God does is he trades it up and then the whole world reaps. And I guarantee that we will too. It doesn't mean if we give him a dime, we end up with a pickup truck necessarily. Maybe we will. But um, we will receive something that we need and that brings joy far more. And if, um, if we keep hold of the seed, just like with a plant, the, the analogy works. If you don't plant the seed, you've got a seed. If you plant the seed, you get a plant or whatever tree or whatever that seed was going to be. And when we withhold stuff from God, be it our stuff, our time, or our focus, then we're choosing not to have what God's got for us. We're settling for the mud pie in the slum instead of the holiday by the sea. Don't settle for numbing the pain with Facebook, TV, alcohol, or spending money when you can have a relationship with the creator of the universe. So that's the end of the talk. And I'd just like to invite you to receive prayer this morning. Have we got a prayer team? Yes, Arlene is the prayer team. Super. I'm willing to pray as well. Me and Arlene will pray. Mark will pray. Um, where are we going to pray today, Arlene? Last week we prayed in the foyer. Do you want to pray at the front or in the foyer? Just do the admin. We're going to pray in the foyer. So if you'd like prayer, the worship team are going to come back. Is that right? And play some music. If you'd like prayer, in order to make this not a spectator sport, just come to the back and we'd love to pray with you. And the things that we'd love to pray with you for are these. Are you finding that you're motivated to live for God and obey him? Because if not, then it may well be that this morning what would be really good is for you to receive a fresh revelation of God's love. And we'd love to pray for that for you. And you can ask for that because Arlene hasn't heard me say it. Are you challenged that your life may not be bringing glory to God in the way that you know it could? When we worship things, it brings glory to them. And if you're challenged this morning that your life may not be bringing glory to God, maybe your worship's divided between God and something else. And we'd love to pray for you that you will know God's love and that in response you'll live a life of bringing glory to him. Or perhaps you find it hard to give to God because you don't trust that he'll respond or even notice that you've given to him then today we'd like to pray that not only will you receive a revelation of God's love, but that you also have a revelation of God's goodness.